And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Raids and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Derek the Riper, Bridgeroli, Eno Saris, the King of Waffles, here with you on this Friday morning. And it is one of the best baseball days of the year. We have four playoff games. It is increasingly clear to me that I do, in fact, live in the best time zone in America to consume sporting events because I will have baseball pretty much from the time I'm done working on this show until the time I am ready to go to sleep today. And that is absolutely glorious. Britt, I'm sorry that you still live on the East Coast. You know, you should have told me years ago that this was the way to go. You guys are the no, worst. No the hanging worst. on until like 1.30 in the morning for an extra inning game. Too. Never again. Those days are over. I am an old man. I was always kind of fighting it and falling asleep anyway. So this is absolutely perfect for me. Uh, lots to get to, though. Let's start. With the Astros and White Sox series, uh, that game actually gets underway at 11 Pacific, so we gotta we gotta get moving here. But the the thing that people were making a big deal about from Game One of this series was Lance Lynn's fastball usage, and as Eno has told people on this show before, Lance Lynn has several fastballs. There's a four seamer. There's a two-seamer. There's a cutter. Those are three different pitches with three very clearly different movement profiles. He tried to pitch this way against the Astros earlier this season and got hit. And as Lance Brozdowski pointed out on Twitter, the Astros hit everything. It doesn't really matter what exactly your game plan is because they're going to generally figure it out. So I thought that was one of the storylines that came out of this game that was a little bit overblown. They didn't lose this game because Lance Lynn threw too many fastballs. They lost this game because the Astros are just really damn good. Yeah, well, I thought he got a long leash too, though. Um, They could have probably pulled and should have maybe pulled Lance Lynn a little earlier. He didn't look good from the jump. You're right, the Astros are really good. What's interesting is after the game, obviously here, live from the Houston press box today. Um, after the game, Tony La Russa said that he felt like Lance Lynn didn't mix up his pitches enough, you know, and then Lynn kind of pushed back on that a little bit. He said he, he did mix up his pitches. He just didn't hit his spots. And that was pretty evident. There wasn't a whole lot of hard contact um, early, but what the Astros do, and we've talked about it on this podcast a lot, is they're relentless. They can score in many different ways. And Lance McCullers Jr. was was terrific, and I don't want that to get lost when we talk about how this game swung so much in Houston's favor, but Houston bunted. They got hits against the shift. Um, they were able to be aggressive on the base paths and they're really a complete offense. It doesn't, they don't need to hit home runs to win, even though they got a home run uh, as one of their six runs as well. They're just a really good team. So I agree with you, Derek. I don't think Lance Lynn was the only storyline, but I do think when you have a bullpen like the White Sox, I expected a little bit of a shorter leash in such a pivotal game one for 
Yeah, and like Tony Larusa was like the guy that that started to push bullpen usage. Right? <laughs> like it's kind of weird that he would be one to to leave a starter in too long. But uh, I, yeah, I think the, the Astros bats get as much credit as as Lynn's uh, or as Lynn's pitching gets a demerit. I don't know. Uh, any case, I I'm looking at a uh, a map of context neutral. Um, you know how well. Houston does against every pitch type and they are the second best team against the four seam fastball. They're in the top third against the sinker. They are the first best team against the cutter. They are in the top five against the curveball. They're in the top five against the slider. They're in the top five against the changeup. I mean, <laughs> what was, what was Lynn going to do? Throw his changeup? <laughs> it's like, it's not a good pitch. You shouldn't throw it. One, two, so, three, four, five. You know, Lynn, Lynn One, was throwing, three, you know, three, uh, four, uh, all these pitches at 33%, you know, and he, he, I think he did, I think he's right. I think he mixed it up. I think he just, it's kind of a buzzsaw of a lineup and, uh, and it's, it's just really tough all the way through. And, and, and like, it's not, it's kind of diverse too. You know, there, are, there are guys who can just, who, who go a little bit towards more towards patience, a little guys who go a little bit more towards contact. And then you have Jordan Alvarez who just, I think, my goodness, I, I, I wish he could, he was like a center fielder. Cause then I'd be like, he's the best player in baseball. Yeah. Because, they, they missed him. They missed him last year a ton. Yeah. He is, he is really impressive as a hitter. If you're ever around for like a batting practice that Jordan Alvarez might take, like go, go early and see it because it's, it's one of those things where people, people stop moving and look and, and people from the opposing team. We'll look and like I was, I was hanging out with Granky and Jordan was up and we stopped talking. Uh, and we just were just like watching him hit prodigious blast after prodigious blast. And it's such an easy, nice swing. And he makes contact and he's good patience. I mean, I'm in the tank for Jordan Alvarez. The only thing that bothers me is the knees, uh, and the and the defensive value. But in any case, uh, McCullough's also the slider. I, I know people talked about it on the cast, it's not a secret we've talked about it on this podcast before. But what's really cool is that the slider is a really big weapon against uh, against righties, and you could see somebody like Abreu actually does really well against curveballs. I, I was like researching to see like ooh, who on the team is good against curveballs. Abreu is really good against curveballs. Abreu didn't see any curveballs. He was he saw fastballs and sliders from the colors, and that's and that slider just darts away from the right-handed hitter, uh, and uh, is an excellent pitch that he just added this year. I just think so much about the the Astros got wrapped up in the trash can scandal when a lot of us looked at this team and said, this is a great team that had this extra thing they were doing. And I don't want to make this about that, but they they have so many things that they thrive at as, as an organization with player development and game planning. It's a huge part of why they keep coming back, why this team has sustained this level. They've had losses. I know that was something Britt wrote about this morning for The Athletic. That they're not going away anytime soon. And I think that's an increasingly clear you look at Kyle Tucker hit seventh yesterday I mean Kyle Tucker is a three hitter on most other teams like it just it speaks to the overall quality of the lineup that they've put together we should look ahead to game two it's going to be Lucas Giolito against Framber Valdez why could it be different today for the White Sox Brit well I think Giolito listen Lynn's been a fine pitcher for them but he he has struggled to get the Astros out as you know and you both said I think Giolito could be a little bit of a different story. Um, and clearly McCullers is the Astros ace. I like Valdez. I still think Houston, 
have a hard time arguing for the White Sox because I think Houston has a really good chance to go 2-0 here today because um, they didn't have to overextend their bullpen. They got so much depth from McCullers that they're really set up well. But this, this to me, I looked at as more of a, a closer game. And I was talking to someone from Chicago yesterday, and they mentioned how if you kind of look at it from the White Sox perspective, if they had won yesterday, it would have almost been a stolen win. Uh, because it kind of seemed early on, like it kind of seemed going in like Houston was going to win this game. This to me seems like a game that Chicago could win, should win. Um, but I still think that Houston with this offense in this ballpark, guys, the, the roof is closed. Um, it's very loud in here. This is a, a city very used to playoff baseball. And I think that really does factor in as well. I, I Again, I have a really hard time arguing for Houston. I mean, for the White Sox, I think Houston's probably going to, be up 2-0 You know, I think that uh, in this game, we might see some of uh, Astros player development start to shine. Uh, when you talk about Framber Valdez, uh, Luis Garcia, and uh, Christian Javier, uh, and Jose Urquidy, you're talking about four pitchers that they signed for collectively less than $100,000. Um, that were Some of them were old pitchers out of uh, the Dominican Republic. Nobody scouts old pitchers in the Dominican Republic. You know, I think Luis Garcia signed at 21, and somebody called that ancient uh, for a, for somebody out of the DR. Um, and uh, uh, a certain pitcher was telling me that he was a genius uh, because he he told his old teams uh, that they should be looking at 21-year-olds in the DR because when he was down there, uh, he was really impressed for, with a few of them. But, um, uh, you know, one thing that I think about this game that's a little bit different is I, I'm, I'm actually sort of intrigued to see what the Astros do against that weird-ass high changeup from Luis G- Giolito. Um, I'm just not sure that it's something – I know that the you know, the Giants and the Rays have um, – the Giants and the Rays and the Astros and the Brewers have, like, advanced hitting uh, techniques and, and, and machines and, and things that they do to try and – um, you know, uh, mimic the today's starter, but I just can't imagine a machine uh, throwing a high straight change like Luis Giolito does. Like, I just, I feel like that's something that you don't see very often in the game. And then I just don't think a machine can really, I'd be really surprised a machine could give you a high, high four seam, high ride fastball, and then a straight change off of that in the same way. So um, Giolito in some ways has more weapons than Lynn or at least more different yeah. weapons They're, You know, they, he stretches the, the velocity and the movement, you know, the curveball and the change and the slider and the, and the forcing, there's just, they're very much more different. Whereas Lynn is a guy who, you know, a little bit like this, a little bit like this and a little bit like this, you know? Um, so I think uh, he'll be a, a tougher task for them. Uh, this was, this would be a harder one for me to pick because Valdez is also a two pitch pitcher. So, what if the White Sox get through him faster? Because it's harder with fewer pitches to turn the lineup over a lot. So what if Fran Rivales only goes four innings? Now you're talking about uh, five innings of that Astros bullpen. And last night it was when they got to the bullpen uh, that they started to, as uh, Ryan says here, they started to threaten a little bit. Uh, Presley is pretty good, but I don't think he's, you know, he would be like the fourth or third best reliever at best on the White Sox. Yeah, and, and Grapeman struggles. Grapeman struggles against uh, lefties, right? Yeah, yeah, because he's a righty. They don't have any lefters in that bullpen. He's uh, a sinker guy, too. That makes sense. So that is that is the issue. And we talked about on this show, right? If they get to the bullpen more often than not, then the White Sox could make some noise. 
That, yeah. that seems to be what it's going to come down to. I'll jump on board uh, real quick with a, a prediction. I actually think the White Sox get this game because of Giolito's ability to attack hitters differently. It's going to be close, and everything at this point of the season is a coin flip, as we've said time and time again. But yeah, let's I think, move I think on. the White Sox today on the betting picks. So. I, I think they can pull it off and at least send it back to Chicago at 1-1, even though the Astros do look like the better of the two teams. They still, I'm still excited about the series, even though Game 1 was a bit of a dud. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's get to the Rays game one win over the Red Sox. It's October. I guess we should have expected Randy Rosarena to do something oh amazing. So uh, Randy Rosarena, of course, if you are listening to the show, you probably saw him do it. Stole home in a playoff game and homered in a playoff game. First player in history ever to do that. He is putting himself among all-time greats for what he's done in the postseason now in one game plus one postseason. It's truly amazing. I thought this game was was a little closer than the final score would lead you to believe, in part because the Red Sox made a lot of hard contact against Shane McClanahan, and they were not rewarded for it. Did you come away with that same sort of conclusion? You know, I know you, you've liked McClanahan since day one, but it felt like this was a little more of a bend-don't-break five scoreless innings than a dominant five scoreless. Yeah... <sighs> They even said some something on the podcast on the on the on the, on the podcast. We're all <laughs> podcasting the, all the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> podcast on the brain. They even said something on the cast where they said, you know, he misses a little bit fewer bats than you might expect. Uh, Kyle Schwarber uh, hit the ball 114. Arroyo hit the ball 109. Kyle Schwarber at, at 107. Dalbeck at 105. Uh, yeah, they had a lot of uh, plus 100 plus. Uh, contact looks like uh, something like 10 balls over 100 miles an hour. Um, but then you start looking at what those things did. Single, line out, fly out, single, ground into double play, ground out, single. Like all those hits that were so hard and not a single extra base hit out of, out of any of them uh, for the Red Sox. So it's that is not something that necessarily is repeatable according to the numbers. Uh, you know, if you allow a lot of hard contact, eventually you're going to give up extra base hits usually. So maybe a little bit of luck for Shane McClanahan, but uh, he also has a good, legit three-pitch mix. Yeah, I'm really excited about McClanahan for 2022, just from a fantasy perspective, the way they've used him this year. He's pitched five-plus innings more than people realize. I I think the future is still really bright, but I think... Things went a little better than they probably should have for the batted ball types. Ten hard hit balls is a lot in five innings. And I'll also I'll push back a little bit on Bryce's thing here. I think that the 
that McClanahan's fastball looks elite, and I think that the Rays have pushed it about as good as it can be. It has like 97% spin efficiency. Uh, so it's he's getting them about the most movement he can out of that pitch. But the problem is it's not actually an elite pitch. It's not actually – it doesn't actually have elite ride. So when he when he's at 96, 97% spin efficiency, it's a good pitch. When he starts to drop below that, and he did that over the course of the season, there were some dips in his spin efficiency that he's been sort of getting back together again late in the season. Um, then he's so I would say it's it's a gr- it looks great by velocity, but it's not um, it's not great. Like if you think about uh, the way like a Diego Castillo uh, 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 fastball looks, or like a Walker Bueller uh, fastball looks, and and Shane McClanahan's is kind of like stuck in that in-between ground a little bit where he's got a little bit of tail, a little bit of hop, but he's, he, it's not, it's neither or, you know, it's kind of a little bit in between. So um, I could see why I could see McClanahan, if he lost like two or three miles an hour off the fastball, uh, maybe struggling a, a little bit more than we'd expect. That's yeah. pretty interesting. And, and so to me, I, I caught the second half of that game, but to me, it seems like that series is similar to here in that, the Red Sox maybe have the edge for game two. They got Chris Sale. I get Shane Boz, who's made what three big league starts, which is so Tampa Bay. Rays, I love Boz, right? but like Sale, uh, I think it's all about Sale. Yeah, I think Sale's like, going to come out and shove. Yeah, like this guy was in Double A start the season, and it's good. It's incredible. It's going to be truly incredible because what's interesting is you know that's just Tampa Bay, right? They just promote guys, and and these guys seem to do exceptional. Uh, but to me, if you're the Red Sox. You, you feel pretty good about Sale. Hasn't pitched since a, a really abbreviated outing in Washington, D.C., the last game of the regular season. Um, he didn't even go. I think he got removed in the third inning, if I, memory serves. But So he should be pretty fresh. And you have to feel pretty good about the Red Sox getting on a lot of runners. We talked about their lineup yesterday, how deep that lineup is, how dangerous that lineup is. Um, I think Boston has the edge going into game two. I'm on board with that. I mean, I think this Rays team, as we talked about yesterday, the key differences, Wander and Nelson Cruz both made an impact right away. Wander looked ready for the big stage. I don't think anyone expected him to wilt under the bright lights in October based on what he did upon being called up this season. But it's nice to see the two guys that the Rays didn't have in this core a year ago already delivering for them in game one. Uh, I think, yeah, Sale is going to be the story in this one. If Sale pitches well and gets deep into this game, the Red Sox can take one and, and have things tied up as they go back to Boston. The thing that has surprised me with Chris Sale a little bit since he returned, though, he's only completed six innings once so far this season since returning on August 14th. That did happen on the road in Tampa Bay. Uh, we've seen a few big strikeout games, a few eights in the game log. That one game where he did go six, only three Ks against this Rays offense. So I'm really curious to see how he fares overall. Um, and I mentioned Britt, you had a great piece looking at the Astros up this morning. I'd also recommend Jason Stark's Weird and Wild because with the Randy Rosarena steal of home, Jason did a really good deep dive with some great historical moments, including Jackie Robinson stealing home. Uh, there's a Marquise Grissom steal of home that ended a, a game that I I never even realized happened back in 97. So really cool stuff in there. It's- it was surprising to me when I was looking, uh, researching a little bit last night for the for the headlines that um, it's happened 21 times in the postseason. It seems so rare to me. I guess baseball has been around so long. There's been so many postseason games that 21 times is still really rare. 
But I, I thought it would be even rarer than that. I think what must be happening is it's happening less. But then remember, Manny Margot tried it against Kershaw just last year mm-hmm. in the in the World Series. Um, and I guess there was one in 2016. I just think it's, other than like the triple, it's one of the most fascinating, exciting plays. I mean, everybody in the room was hopping around, yelping and yelling and having an opinion on that one. I mean, uh, the, everyone looked up uh, when that happened. And and I, I just want to give like a little bit of a shout out to Randy Rosarena because, you know, maybe we saw some of the flaws in his game exposed this year, uh, maybe over the course of the season. Uh, there's he's just had some more ups and downs. It's just a little bit of regression. But dude is a showman, you know, like I think I know the numbers don't really say that there are that the clutch exists. We haven't really been able to prove that it exists. But when you watch somebody like Randy Rosarino, man, you're just like this guy is was made for the moment. I mean, don't you think he loves it? I think he, he loves the attention. He loves the bright lights like this is. He, you know, this is what he, what he plays like. This is what he plays for. He's, he's. I, it seems like he raises his game to yeah. another level. Yeah, I, I, don't, I think clutch exists. I don't think everything can be quantified by numbers. I, I, I don't. As you guys know, that's why I'm on this show to, <laughs> to disagree and push back. Um, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I think clutch certainly exists. I think this game is so mental, and there's no way to quantify that. Right? There's no way to quantify um, how mentally tough a guy is. How you know, a guy can dial in or shrink under the bright lights. I think that's a very real thing. And clearly, Randy Rosarena um, brings out the cowboy boots and he's eating popcorn in the dugout. And, like, he is just loving every single second of this, uh, whereas some guys just freeze. So yeah. I, I think clutch is real. I do. I think I think one of the hardest things from a statistical standpoint is just that the, the, the sample size is not great for anybody. You know, uh, a lot of people get to the postseason and, you know, like Barry Bonds, people said, oh, he's terrible in the postseason. And he like he had a decent sample. And if you actually looked at it, it was like like 100 at bats or something. You know what I mean? And then he went ham on the Braves uh, in one postseason. He went ham on that 2002 postseason and largely put that uh, narrative to bed that he that he wasn't clutch and if you like knew barry bonds there was nothing about his personality to suggest he wasn't clutch you know what i mean like yeah i mean so, I, I have a lot i don't know i have a lot of other thoughts about the, the playoffs how players have talked about the playoffs being different in that regard but we got to get to the other different from the past got, you know just the, the sample different size from the regular the, season yeah but we can get into that in another show i want to make sure we get to yeah there the are four games Brewers, <laughs> right yeah the brewers yeah. braves um that, that's the four o'clock game well four o'clock I guess where I am, um, really a lunch game for the two of you. Um, we got Charlie Morton on the mound for Atlanta. Uh, we've talked a lot about Milwaukee's rotation. Derek, like, where do you? I, I know who you want to win, but where do you see this this game one going? I mean, I think the Brewers do have a slight edge in pitching. Charlie Morton is a little underrated as a guy that has put it all together late in his career. He's had a lot of postseason success, so I think slight edge. Come on. It, it's, it's You're like, I, you I, I can't it, like overcorrect for your fandom and be like, yeah, Burns is just a little bit better. Come on, Burns it, is like a top five pitcher in the game right now. Burns might be the Morton's best pitcher like in the game right now. Twenty five or thirty. Burns might be the new Jacob Degrom. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying Charlie Morton might be like a top fifteen starting pitcher that gets treated like a top thirty starting pitcher. Yeah. So the gap is reasonable. And I think the other part of this that I am concerned about as a fan of the Brewers, but just even from an objective perspective, Atlanta could have six bats in the starting lineup with a barrel rate of 10% or better. 
We talked about the Brewers' offense. They have issues. Christian Yelich got a nice hype video out on Twitter this morning. Go watch that if you want to get jacked for your your morning push-ups. But I think the Brewers' offense is still scary to me because it means they do have to win games 3-2, 4-3. You know, those, those types of teams are... They're very stressful because all it takes is one bad bounce. And one bad bounce is the last thing I remember about the 2019 postseason in D.C. So I'm just a little bit uh, a little bit wrecked, I think, from that. And last year, the series against the Dodgers, Brewers weren't at full strength for that. So I think expectations were low. But I'm really worried about the Brewers' offense, specifically Yelich not being Yelich and how much that really waters them down. And I think that makes them vulnerable to a matchup against a guy like Morton. Yep. But I completely agree with everything you said. I think when you look at the postseason, like all you need is one well-placed hit in a pitching duel, right? To change things. And the Braves lineup is they hit a lot of home runs. They've got a lot of power. They got a lot of guys that play every day and they seem to have kind of formed even a more cohesive group after Acuna went down. Like that's kind of what happens. A lot of times these, these teams that are able to play, and absorb the loss of these kind of players. It kind of, and I saw it in Baltimore and I've seen it around, you know, other teams that I've been around, they lose this top player and the rest of them are right. We got to step up. We've got to do something here. And that's what's happened. I mean, they had three 30 home run guys. Dansby Swanson has had a, a ridiculous year. Um, I don't think people know how good he is on, on both sides of the ball. And he had 27 home runs, um, just a, a terrific fielder as well. I think the Braves can kind of keep coming at you. And I do worry if Christian Yelich steps back up, I think we're talking about a, a totally different series. But if he doesn't, if he becomes kind of what Nolan Arenado did for the Cardinals in in that he really just just doesn't add anything at all, then I, I think that the Braves could steal this series, I do. One thing that I uh, just want to point out is you got to make contact to get, take advantage of all those barrel rates. And uh, Atlanta, uh, with this crew, because, you know, I've been using some September splits because, you know, a lot of these teams change personnel in September. Um, and so, you you know, for the, for a fact that the Braves really remade their team. The one thing is a lot of the guys that they got to replace Acuna struck out more than Acuna. Duval, Soler, those guys strike out more. So Atlanta in September had the fourth worst strikeout rate in baseball behind Miami, Baltimore, and the Cubs. So uh, they aren't in great company when it comes to making contact. And, they're up against the Brewers, so I, I think there'll be a ton of strikeouts today. Uh, but yeah, if if they do connect solidly and do and make the most of that and have a homer or two, uh, that'll change things. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you real quick before uh, we, I guess we have to move on. Are we done for you? Uh, is uh, DVR? What do you think of this defense? Because the as above average says the Brewers' defense is twenty third. I don't want to split it into just September. I don't even know if I can. Uh, because defensive numbers, you don't want to split like that. But they did change personnel in September. Do they get better defensively? Is Adamis better than what was going on before? Were people hurt that made it worse? I mean, I know Garcia is looks like he should be a good defender, but he is absolutely not a good defender. And uh, I don't know. How do you think – what's the eye test on Urias, Adamis, uh, and the other the other situations? Kane has got to be falling off a little bit. He's He's older. Yeah, so they're fine up the middle. They're they're fine. Colton Wong is fantastic at second. Right. Adames, when he's out there, is very good at short. I think Arias had to play a lot of short because Adames was banged up in September, and Arias has had issues throwing the ball pretty much all season. But up the middle, and Narvaez has been improved too. When you factor in 
where they're at at catcher, the two middle infield spots, and center field when Kane is out there. Even if you want to take a little bit off of what Kane was a couple years ago, he's still an above-average defender. You've got JBJ as a late-inning guy that's come out in games that he doesn't hit right now, hasn't hit at all. But they defensively are good where they need to be good. So I would say they're still an above-average defensive team, even though outs above average did not like them. Yeah, I mean, they had the Kane was missing a lot, you know. And mm-hmm. if and if Urias is playing short when Adama should be, that's going to factor. That's going to make it, everything look worse. So, I could see that the shape of their season might have affected that number, and that maybe they're at, I would say at least average uh, at full strength. So, uh, maybe maybe that number undervalues them. All right. So so Britt's nervous about the Brewers, like I am, but I, I'm taking the Brewers to win this game. I think the Brewers win the series in four. I think Atlanta's going to get one, but the Brewers are going to end it in four. Do you guys agree with that overall assessment of the series? Uh, I'm going to say Atlanta in five. Is my prediction. Eno, I, I like four. I mean, I think I think it might be they might be down two nothing when they get to Freddie Peralta, and uh, I don't even. I mean, is Freddie Peralta for sure going to start Game Three? You think or Eno, yeah. make a, make a prediction. You can't you can't. Wait. Here comes the walk. No, I I, I picked I picked the Brewers in Game One, and I I'm you know I could speak as glowingly of Brandon Woodruff as I do of Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> so uh, I don't think I'm going to be picking against Brandon Woodruff in Game Two. So I guess I'm picking the Braves to be down two nothing. So Brewers in. Four for you? Yeah. Okay. All right. So, so we're on the same Peralta's page. Peralta's a little bit more hittable just because also you can't go that long. And then, you know, if he's only going to go, you know, three or four against the Braves, then you're going to see some other relievers that I'm not sure are, are going to be great. That's going to be the question. What or Eric they, Lauer. What do the Brewers get from some of their other relievers? Lauer's been really good overall this year. Hauser's been good this year, too. So they got a couple guys that can chew up innings if, if Peralta or anybody goes a bit short before they turn it over to some of these short yeah relievers. if i have any waffle it's going to be yeah. towards a sweep so well, I, not... well, it's so funny we, we ask for predictions and i'm like okay here's my prediction derek's like here and you're like well this or maybe that i don't know about this no all right all right uh you already gave yours screw We're it moving Brewers on. in three We're moving on. in three you get out, <laughs> Push me get out the brooms put on okay. the waffle crown give me the broom <laughs> it's gonna be a sweep see what just one more to pushed. get to Let's go to the Dodgers Giants. We are failing as TV people for sure because we'll be we'd be over. Our show would be ending. They'd be playing the music, and I'd be frantically holding up a sign saying, "Dodgers make your four. Pick. Yeah, exactly. But That's why Dodgers I said to Giants, Eno, make your pick. There's a lot going on in this series. I didn't really notice this until I clicked on the Savant uh, Statcast game preview for this. But check this out if you're watching on YouTube. <laughs> this is the. This is the look at all the exit velocity and hard hit percentage and all the X stats and strikeout and walk rate and sprint speed. Dodgers on the left, Giants on the right. And there's so much more red ink, red being good in this case, on the Dodgers side. These don't look like two evenly matched teams, but I think they are. And I'm wondering if I'm just trying to talk myself into some things that I want to be true just to not let the Dodgers just roll through this series. Throw it up again real quick. I want to point something out. Evan Longoria and Darren Ruff and Tom, uh, 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 at the top there would be red. But they don't yeah. qualify. They don't qualify. Good point. But, I mean, that doesn't change your point. There's there's a lot more red on the left. But I do – and then Brandon Belt is uh, in red and won't be in the in this series. I mean, I don't think – if you go position by position, you take Dodgers ev- ev- everywhere. 
<laughs> so are you predicting the Dodgers? I, or are you going to do a 10-minute spiel that we don't know who you're predicting? I pick the Dodgers in game one. All right, that's Wait, quick and easy. You, all right. Who are you going for for the series? Do it. Do it. Let it fly. Come on. Look at, look at it. You want to you call a Dodger sweep, don't you? I both predicted the Giants. Oh, no. He's on both sides. So you get the Dodgers in one. Wow, I'm so So it's going to go Dodgers, Weird. Giants, Giants, Dodgers, Giants. Is that your pattern? I think Gossman uh, can win his game. I don't think Webb's going to win his game. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, Dodgers, Dodgers in five. Dodgers in five. All right, so you're, you're officially on both sides. <laughs> bold predictions are bold. They're bold. Uh, that they're not bold if you pick both teams. <laughs> that's a bold prediction. It's a bold prediction. Uh, okay, well, somebody pointed out Bueller's last game, not good. Um, Bueller also looked human in September. So I think the Giants couldn't win this game against Bueller tonight. They got Webb versus Bueller. I think it might come down to the bullpen. Are you waffling um, now? What's I'm your not waffling. Pick? I'm going up. <laughs> you Giants. did this to me. I'm going Giants in five. I have All no right. history of waffling. I'm not a... a, a <laughs> what, what are you picking at night? I'm going to pick the Giants to win because I think Walker Bueller can get hit. And I think he, I think he will get hit. So, there you go. So, we learned earlier this week that Walker Bueller opens twist-offs with his teeth because he chooses to. According to his Twitter account, it's fun and it makes me feel cool. If you think it's weird because you want to use a bottle opener, then you haven't drank enough beers in your life. Son, I've drank enough beers in my life. I'm not opening beer bottles with my teeth. Period. I've also broken enough teeth in, teeth in my life that I... Like anything to do with teeth makes my teeth curl, if that makes sense. If you think teeth are fungible, I can't support you. I can't get behind you as as a like They're very expensive. Adult. In fact, teeth okay. just teeth just sent like twenty NBA players to jail if you've been following that story. So uh, teeth are very, very expensive and I'm not gonna break any teeth just for a beer. No, think, that's just not going to happen. I think he can afford it, though. I think Walker Bueller yeah, can afford it. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how you want to spend your millions is getting your teeth fixed because you didn't want to buy a bottle opener and you thought it looked cool. Uh, I guess you can do that. Good point here. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd rather Bueller break a tooth Stay than cut open a finger. <laughs> I, I, you know what? Maybe Bueller's playing some 3D chess over here and uh, <laughs> and I'm just not seeing it. But I, look, here, here's what I think is going to happen in game one. I do think Bueller... Goes six. I think he gives about two runs. Just a, a good Bueller start. But I think Webb holds his own here. I think the Giants, they have a better bullpen than people give them credit for. If Webb runs into some trouble, they're going to get Webb out of the game after four, whenever they need to get him out of this game. I'd actually trust the Giants to win game one. I think the Dodgers win the series. I think it goes five. But I think the Giants actually get the opener tonight. Well, I'll be excited to, to watch. I just... Uh, Logan, Logan Webb and the sinker. I just feel like lefty Dodgers are going to eat that up. I know he's a good pitcher, but he's also had, you know, he's got some ups and downs and, um, uh, I just have a little bit more faith in, in Bueller, uh, than Webb. And I think that they're very evenly matched. That's why I waffled. I think this is the two best teams in the game. Um, and it'll be really, I think it'll also be really interesting to watch this giants bullpen that, is not built the way other bullpens are built and uh, comes at you with not that much below other than Bill Ball. 
I uh, wonder if the Giants are going to be able to prepare uh, for Rodgers or if they've seen. You know, that's another thing about this. These two teams have seen each other a ton. There is no secret. You know, the only Doval is probably the only pitcher on their team that they haven't seen a ton this year. Yeah. He's like the Look only secret. Huh? That's a great comment by Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't it doesn't look that great when you look at every single piece, but they do a lot with putting the pieces together for sure. Yeah, uh, I'm excited for this series. I think it's going to be a good one. I, again, I'm um, kind of a Logan Webb supporter. I'm not a fanboy. I'm, I'm a supporter. I believe in Logan Webb. So You're not going to come up with some fancy like Webb's. What? Nope. I don't See, even. You can't, I can't, you can't even come even, up with a, the Webb's. There is a weeple. <laughs> I already tried, so I, I walked. Uh, I walked away. But yeah, I think the Giants bullpen is going to be a key in Game One. If Webb runs into trouble, I think they can work out of some jams and win a close one at Oracle Park. Uh, and no Max Muncie too is also a, a problem. I think for the Dodgers against right-handed starters in particular. One. I think also losing Kershaw. People people think that Kershaw was terrible in the postseason, yeah. but I think losing Kershaw is meaningful. Absurd. Ab- absolutely absurd. That's that's where the yeah, the Kershaw postseason narratives are are just ridiculous. But we need to go before we go. I should let you know we are here every weekday on YouTube, eleven thirty a.m. Eastern, eight thirty a.m. Pacific. Give us a follow on Twitter. Eno is at Eno Saris. Britt is at Britt underscore Droli. I am at Derek Van Riper. And if you are watching us on YouTube, be sure to barrel up on that like button. Enjoy the games this weekend. Rates and Barrels returns on Monday. Thanks for listening. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.